Welcome to the Mavens Do It Better podcast. And now, your host, Heather Newman. Hello, everyone. Here we are again for another Mavens Do It Better podcast, where we interview extraordinary experts that bring a light to our world. And I could not be more thrilled to have on today, Jamie Edwards of Cloudbreak Health. So hi. Hi, how are you? (laughs) I'm terrific. Where are you coming to us today from? I am sitting in my office in El Segundo, California. Awesome. That's just down there from me. So Yeah, not too far, not too far. Like our office, just, you know, if I pointed the camera over there, you just see the runway of LA and planes oh, taking wow. off to all sorts of great places, which lends me, all, affords me all sorts of good daydreaming opportunities. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Marina Del Rey is no slouch. So, <laughs> That's you know, right. You got boats. You got yes, boats. Got some boats, some dreaming, California dreaming out there for sure. There you so, go. I have to ask you about the don't give up the ship, that flag back there. Tell us about that because it's right there, prominent and awesome. So Yeah, um, you know, as we were as we were talking about, you know, that that flag to me is a symbol of kind of the entrepreneurial journey and yeah. uh, the fact that the struggle is real. And I think we are very quick to kind of look at people who are, you know, these, these companies that are out there doing great work and assume that everything is just going so great. <laughs> um, but the fact of the matter is every day we're dealing with very real issues um, and, you know, this is a reminder to me not to not to give up the ship and that, you know, what the work that we're doing is important. And so no matter what obstacles we're facing, you know, we can either go around them, through them, above them, over them, whatever it might be. But that's that's my daily reminder. Yeah, it's awesome. And I love the logo treatment on that. It reminds me of that, you know, keep calm and carry on sort of that exactly. design, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. So the, the, these were actually flown on the back of a sailing ship um, up in the Pacific Northwest. And the guy, you know, comes up with these things and flies them off there to give them that, you know, nice weathered and authentic, yeah. you know, yeah. look. And I, we have a bunch of flags around the office here. And this okay. was the one that I wanted over the back of my desk. Yeah, it's wonderful. That's so cool. So Cloudbreak Health, um, just, yeah. uh, wow, disruptive, amazing, innovative, all of that. Will you tell our listeners a little bit about Cloudbreak, the elevator pitch, and where it got started. You are CEO and co-founder as well. Yes. So Cloudbreak is a unified telemedicine company that provides services in over 1,200 hospitals across the United States. And 85,000 times a month, we uh, beam in a resource to those facilities, over 10,000 different video endpoints. And so um, the core thing that we do is really bringing language interpreters to the point of care for the deaf and hard of hearing and limited English proficient. That's really how the company got started. Um, but we really classify ourselves as a healthcare disparity solutions business. And so we realized that once we had solved this initial disparity of how we can help limited English proficient and deaf patients receive the same standard of care as their English speaking counterparts, that we could do more with the platform when these screens screens were dark screens. It was like a, that was like a, a, a Bugs Bunny, Porky Pig type thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, when, when the screens were dark, there was more that we could do, and we had built this private broadband network in all these facilities, and so we started having osp- hospitals ask us to build out new use cases, and so now we're doing telepsychiatry, telestroke, and really the system can be customized to bring any resource to the point of care that's needed to help solve a disparity. Wow. Th- first of all, thank you. That's amazing. Um, what a great thing you're bringing. I, how did you get started in the in in healthcare? So you had yeah. To, well, that's yeah. How, how much time do we have? Well, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try and give you the the short version of it. But okay. the first ten years of my career was actually investment banking and private uh, equity. Okay. Um, I uh, wanted to learn that side of the business because I took an entrepreneurship class when I was in college at Cornell. Cornell. Uh, right. From this esteemed professor, Professor David Ben Daniel. 
And, uh, you know, he taught me about how entrepreneurship is all about taking an idea and making it real and having an impact. And that really resonated with me. But what I realized was, this was during like the time of Enron and all these financial scandals. I was like, I never want to be in a position where I'm relying on someone to teach me, you know, to tell me what's happening in the business. Right. And so I became an investment banker and that was amazing training. It was a chance to kind of like drink from a fire hose in terms of Mm. information. It was a great chance to see companies do it right and do it wrong. Yeah. Well, while I was doing this, I came from a family of doctors and my uncle, aunts and uncles on both sides are physicians. My sister is a doctor. My brother-in-law is a doctor. Um, so I was always surrounded by healthcare, and um, my favorite uncle, a guy named Dr. Irv Edwards, had founded an ER business in Southern California called Emergent Medical Associates, and he had run it for a few years um, and asked me to come join him full time because I had done some consulting for him. And as you can great. imagine, very easy for me to impress my physician <laughs> uncle. Yeah, with my knowledge of revenue, EBITDA, cash flow, yes. PowerPoint, Excel, all these different you know awesome business tools that we learned. Right. And so um, I had helped him move out of his home office to a real office. I had built a lot of his infrastructure, um, you know, and, uh, and software tools. And so he said, hey, I need you to come run the business full time. And I joined the company when it was about 12 million of revenue. And over the course of the next eight or nine years, we grew it to around 150 million of revenue into a leading group in the Southwest that competed against Team Health and Envision and big, you know, physician outsourcing groups like that. And we did ER, hospitals, and anesthesia medicine. But while I was doing that, I'd come across a company called the Language Access Network. And the founder of the company, Andy Panos, who founded the original predecessor to company to Cloudbreak in 2003, was really the founder of the video medical interpreting industry in our country. And so he was the first guy to bring an interpreter in and beam him to the point of care um, over a telemedicine platform. And we ended up meeting and becoming uh, fast friends. I became enamored with his business. I actually helped him with his investor deck and through that learned a lot about his company. And we engineered a deal where he was in a public shell at that point in time. So we pulled his company out of the public shell, took it private, and then proceeded to grow it. And so for six years, I was running Language Access Network and Emergent Medical Associates side by side. Language Access Network was reaching escape velocity. So we did a Series A financing round with Kane Partners, who's been our private equity partner since 2015. And we've grown the business kind of 3x since that period of time. And um, I am now full-time, you know, running this business. And when we did the Kane deal, we rebranded the company as Cloudbreak Health and really refounded it because we realized that there was more of there was more for us to do besides just language services. Right. Absolutely. Uh, wow. You've had a, an amazing career and you're a busy man. <laughs> uh, definitely busy. Some might say entrepreneurially ADD. I've heard yeah. that before. Um, yeah. But I love this kind of concept of, you know, the, I love the creation process. Right. Really yeah. What does it for me? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I came across some telehealth with a friend that worked with me. She was a, okay. a, doc, a doctor in Sebastopol, California. I used to live okay. up there in Sonoma County. And there yeah. was a doctor she was working for that was sort of very high up in um, dealing with strokes. And yep. that, that was some of the first times I'd ever heard of that a few years ago. And I, tell, tell us again how many people you've served because I think oh, that's well, important. Well, right now it's kind of <laughs> north of, it's north of a million people a year now. So if you take a look at over the course of the company's history, I mean, we're talking millions and millions of people that have been touched by the platform. And, um, you know, I love actually walking through our telemedicine centers and hearing all the different languages being spoken, hearing those integrated with a telemedicine call and understanding that on the other end of that screen, right, there's someone who's scared who doesn't speak the language or who is having a stroke, whatever the case might be, or, you know, going through a mental, a mental health issue. And, 
the platforms, helping them navigate that um, in one of the scariest times of their lives, which is when they're actually in a hospital, in a clinic, in an urgent care center. Um, and, uh, you know, that's pretty powerful for us. It's really what gets us out of bed. Yeah, day. absolutely. I was going to say, uh, I, if, if you don't have a personal why, there you go, right? I, yeah, I, know, you, right. I know you do, but you know what I mean? Right. Like you just told us. So that's great. Yeah. And uh, as far as, gosh, the investment, the investment and the entrepreneurial bug, um, and you were surrounded by doctors your entire life. It kind of makes yeah. sense that you got into healthcare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I it mean, does, right? Around the dinner table, you're hearing all of that from your folks and family, right? Yeah, I mean, I have to tell you, I had, I had no idea what the opportunity was in healthcare. Healthcare to me was always kind of scary from an entrepreneurship standpoint, right? It's highly regulated, highly risk averse, big, huge health systems that typically have been thought of as very bureaucratic. And I think that keeps a lot of people out of the healthcare entrepreneurship game, if you will. And uh, But when you get in here and you build your expertise and you realize that healthcare you know, a lot of it is driving change from the inside out and being able to build consensus in a different way. Like we just can't put an app out there and expect it to work. We've got to train people, get buy-in, a lot of times do, you know, evidation type of studies. And um, it's just, it's, it is a little bit different of a market. And I, I'm almost pained to say it because I'm always out in the field being like, look, healthcare's not different. If they can do this in, you know, entertainment, we can do it in healthcare. If they can right. do it in manufacturing, we can do it in healthcare. But sure. you do need to have a certain knowledge base to make things successful in the healthcare environment. Absolutely. And it, I know that there was iterations of the business and of, of the technology. So what, but where did that sort of the, 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 the actual tech of the business, where did that get started and how did you iterate on that? Yeah, you know, um, the tech actually got started in and around that language services use case. So we started experimenting with a slew of different platforms from Cisco to Vidwire to Polycom to Skype for Business. And we realized that we didn't want to just be on one of them. We wanted to be on all of them. And so we developed a standards-based video solution that would be video interoperable with that and Zoom and other platforms that are out there. Zoom is actually taking off these days as one of the platforms in market. But we realized you needed to do more than just bring you know, the video into a call. You needed to surround it with workflow. You need to really work on you know, the UI UX part of it and create a user experience for both clinician and patient that was highly, highly functional and engaging. And I would say even fun, like I'm not, you know, in healthcare, fun is sometimes an evil word, but I'm gonna say, <laughs> make the tech fun. P-H-U-N, okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Um, and so that we really evolved everything off this initial language services use case. And the cool thing about the language services use case is it's really the gateway telemedicine drug. It's the one use case that's throughout the entire hospital. And so whether you're in labor and delivery or whether you're at admitting and registration, you know, that patient journey throughout the institution requires language services. And so a lot of companies started off with one use case and that use case was stroke. Okay, great. So you're in the emergency department, but you're nowhere else. Or you're doing mental health. Great. You're in, you know, or you're doing ICU. Well, that's only in the ICU. So language services was really the Trojan horse, if you will, that allowed us to get 10,000 plus video endpoints in the field. Um, and there's some companies that inspire us out there, like in Touch Health, um, who has, you know, more hospitals than we do. And we've been following those guys pretty closely and are super impressed by their platform. Um, they have 4,000 video endpoints to our 10,000. So it kind of gives an idea of the power of this language services right. use case. Yeah. And and how do hospitals, I mean, I, I'm, you know, you're doing marketing, obviously, you're getting out there and talking about this yes. stuff. I'm sure you're speaking you're a member of Hims, of course. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I've been to Hims before. I went with a cybersecurity company. I was impressed with the size of that show. Yes, and, Hims. And Hims is a 
we like I like you know, I think there was just a quote that I had that was it was it's a center of gravity. Right? Yeah. You you show up to hymns and everybody that you need to speak to is there. And it's not just a conference. It's really, you know, if you take a look at the hymns educational curriculum, it's really surrounded on improving healthcare with tech, but there's a lot of like non-tech driven healthcare improvement stuff that HIMSS does. And so, you know, it the name you know, health information management side, right? I mean, that is almost misleading right. what the conference actually is, which is a center of innovation and collaboration in healthcare. Yeah. When I really liked about the 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 setups I I did event planning for years and years for my yeah Microsoft, yeah right? and so so build, imagine what it's like to pull off a conference like that yeah right? right and building booths and all of that and I really loved a lot of the hands-on stuff from folks where you could go in touch the tech you know see how it works and all that sort of thing so that was yep. a really cool thing yeah I liked him's a lot yeah um, I always I find it like very invigorating because yeah. I'll show up to a conference like that and not only do I get to see everyone that I haven't seen since the last major conference, since JP Morgan of Startup Health or whatever it is. It's like one of the reasons I love to go to conferences to see everyone in person again and get kind of my conference family back together. Yeah, yeah. Um, Old home week, right? You're like, hey, buddy, what's up? You know? That's right. But it's also to see you know, kind of the macro view of what's happening in healthcare at any time, you know, right. there are years at HIMSS where like AI was in vogue and then right. it's telemedicine and then it's XYZ and it might be chatbots, it might be whatever, but you can really yeah. get a sense for how the technology is evolving by walking that exhibit floor. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes yeah. healthcare gets a little bit of a rap of being behind in tech, you know, there's, yes. at, you know, even our financial services institutions and utilities and stuff, some of the most important things kind of in our world to keep us yeah. safe and happy and all that stuff. Absolutely. But, you know, so I think, you know, being innovative and it's hopefully inspiring others. Um, I think CloudBreak's doing that in twofold for sure, right? Well, we try and, you know, we kind of joke around at HIMSS a little bit that, you know, the larger the booth a startup has, uh, the, the, you know, the more likely they're not to be around in a year kind of thing. But, um, you know, we're there to have meetings, clearly the established companies have, have large booths, but, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to see the evolution of who is out there kind of trying to make a splash and, and tell their story. Um, but there's always something really neat that you end up discovering. I think it's cool to see the different companies that have evolved to be at hymns like Uber and Amazon. Um, you know, it's, it's cool to see some of those companies, you know, in the mix and Google Cloud and, you know, all those types of things um, to see what their, their goals are in healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was looking through um, Twitter and hashtags and all that yes. sort of stuff. And uh, you want to lift your foot up? I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, I I didn't wear them today, but I have them. I have them right here. Hey, look at that. So, I, you know what's so funny? I have a pair of those socks. I Who love gave them. you yours? I, I bought them for myself a while ago. Cause oh my God, we have to gift you the original <laughs> article. I'm making myself a note right now. Pink socks. You know, I think it was, you know, remember when the finger stash was in vogue? Yeah. You remember? Yeah. And people were actually getting it tattooed. Yes, it was finger, like right there. Yeah. Right there, you know? So yeah. I think like there was a, there was the, the twisty mustache phase that happened, I don't know, probably five or six years ago. And I think it was in the midst of that. Plus, I'm from the Midwest and my uncles all had big twisty 70s mustaches back in the day. Super so. jealous of that. That's big pretty fan. cool. <laughs> So tell, will you tell everybody about Pink Socks? Because it's so neat. Yeah. So the Pink Socks is really a movement. Um, and it's pretty incredible. A guy named Nick Adkins and his partner, mm-hmm. Andrew Richards, started Pink Socks just as kind of a lark. Nick had gone to um, Burning Man and really bought it. Oh, there you go. There you go. And really <laughs> bought into kind of all the different principles of Burning Man, one of which was radical gifting. 
And so this concept of gifting he came back with, besides swapping out his pants for a kilt, which is now his trademark, you know, item. If you see him walking around a conference, you can spot Nick anywhere because he's got his pink socks on and kilt and a fedora um, and a big beard, you know. Um, so he's he's representing, uh, you know, the pink socks brand in that way. But he basically came back and just started gifting these socks out actually out of hymns, right, segue wise. Um, and I think Eric Topol and some leaders and, and Jerome Toss from Phillips, you know, like, you know they had been given these socks. And initially it was just like, hey, I just wanted to brighten your day. Then you started to see more people wearing them and they started to become a conversation piece. And then the people who were wearing them were really centered around healthcare innovation. And, um, you know, you started to see chief innovation officers wearing them. And now 40,000 pairs of these socks. Wow. And actually, I think the, it might be 60,000 now because Nick corrected me the last time. So I'm going to go <laughs> like, with 60,000. Uh -oh. <laughs> yeah. Have been given around the world globally. Right. And think about that. They're just gifted. And the, the Pink Sox movement has started and the movement's all about kindness and, you know, making someone's day. And you can walk around a conference and be like, hey, nice socks. And it's an opportunity to connect with someone. And that was really the genesis of it. And um, a month ago or two ago, we actually started doing Pink Sox givings in schools. And there was a school in El Paso um, that built a kindness curriculum around the pink socks for their students. So imagine the power of that at that age to walk out and realize kindness is important and the way we treat each other is important. And now pink socks has become a vehicle for things like that. That's amazing. Yeah. And he was on a, he, there's a TED talk about it. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He did a TEDx talk. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so cool. I was so excited to see that. And uh, there was a gal on that was wishing someone a happy 105th birthday yeah. this week. And I was just like, I was like, okay, I want to get in on this. I was like, that's yeah. fantastic. It's you literally know? taken on a life of its own. And, um, you know, the Pink Socks is looking for donations to do more school events and things like that. And the website's pinksocks.life if anyone wants to check it out. Um, but, uh, you know, quite frankly, it's like, get some of the socks and just gift them out. It's amazing the conversations that happen. I had a woman, I was wearing the socks. And I was in a restaurant in Dana Point, California. And a woman came up to me. I have to actually, I'm going to step out of screen for one second. <laughs> a woman came up to me and she said, I love your socks. And I was like, oh my God. She's like, and I, I wanted to give you my sunglasses. So here I am wearing my socks so I can gift them to other people. What? <laughs> so this woman, you know, not yeah. my style. <laughs> <laughs> but was kind enough to like gift these to me. And so I ended up sending yeah. her some socks for her and some of her friends after the fact. But that's the whole point. We all need yeah. to realize that we're calling of in, we're in this together. And to me, that's absolutely. what the pink socks symbolize. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the burning, the 10 burning men principles, you know, one being radical gifting is that's it. You know, I'm I often when I'm there and, and other times, you know, I, I've just given things to people off, you know, I'm like, yeah. You know I've had gotten a lot of joy out of this and maybe it's time to bring some joy to somebody else. So absolutely. Absolutely. Know. And kind of, you know, you start to realize that selfishly, it's kind of like giving makes you happy. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so from that article, like gifting is one of the most selfish things we could possibly do. Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. So where are you from exactly? Are you a New Yorker? Or I, I'm not a New Yorker, but I am okay. from Western New York. I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Oh, Buffalo. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a Western New Yorker and I was born in Cleveland, but Buffalo, New York is kind of where I remember all of my childhood memories. I lived there from fifth grade on. Um, I'm a Cornell undergrad, Cornell grad. Um, so I did spend some time in Manhattan um, during my investment banking years. Uh, but, you know, LA is home and um, 
I love it here. And this, the West coast lifestyle, it's like clearly not a best kept secret anymore, given traffic <laughs> out here, but um, there's not a day I don't go home that I'm like, not grateful to be kind of, you know, on this coast and, and, you know, have my kids, I have a 10 year old and I'm sorry, an 11 year old and a nine year old now. And um, they get to be outside. I don't even think they know how good they have it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, when there's snow up to the, you know, wherever. That's right. else. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I kind of miss that first snowfall. Yeah. I miss fall, autumn leaves, right? And that first mm -hmm. day of spring. But besides that, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you mentioned family and you're, yes. you've got a lot going on. Um, you know, with our listeners, we talk about wellness and self-care and stuff how do you yeah. do, how do you do that for yourself you know uh, it, 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 um, <laughs> this is going to give away my kind of west coast juju if you will um, <laughs> I've, I've started meditating right i have found that kind of mindfulness to be a really good practice and i've actually started meditating with my daughter every night before she goes to bed which is super cute although now she can't go to bed without meditating so it's kind of like become part of her daily practice so sometimes i'm traveling on a trip and i need to meditate remotely with her yeah um so that's really helpful i think being outdoors you know taking hikes and doing that i coach my kids soccer team so i always try and make sure i'm as present as i can be because i think it's very easy to get caught up with how much work there is to do. Um, and there's a lot of work to do. Um, but the work is always there, whether you plow through it or not. So I try and like balance that out with family. And, you know, even on my LinkedIn feed, I say, you know, father, husband, founder, and it's kind of, every, it's, that's the order for me yeah. of, you know, how I want to live my life. Yeah, absolutely. So for those on the, on the, um, listening for you know you're you've been an entrepreneur or you yep. are and not come up as an entrepreneur you are one investment banker all of that um a couple of you know if you were like i want to give one piece of advice out to folks Ooh. or maybe two i don't know but one you know, stage piece of advice one stage piece of advice yeah well i think one would be people tend to ask you know why me and i think people need to ask more why not me right it, as an entrepreneur um, there are a ton of reasons why you can't pursue something. And I like to always say, I always search for the one or two reasons why something will work as opposed to the hundred reasons why it won't. <laughs> um, and so for me, like, that's like my key piece of advice. Like, why should you be watching someone else live the life you want to lead or build the product you want to build? Like, why shouldn't it be you who does that? Um, and there have many opportunities that I've had learning lessons from this where I've written a business plan or I have jotted down an idea. I mean, how many of you know, like raise your hand out there in <clears throat> podcast land if uh, you ever had an idea and you saw someone execute and you're like, oh, I thought about that. Like those words get said millions of times across the United States, but one person actually said, I'm going to do it. Um, and I think there's a certain power in being like, why not me? Why shouldn't I be the person to do yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. And there's a sort of a, a trend in in marketing right now that I keep seeing. And, and there's this role of storyteller and storytelling. Yes. And I'm so happy that that like, there's jobs that say chief storyteller yep. on LinkedIn right now. Um, do you have a chief storyteller? Is that you? Or uh, I, you know, I try and empower all of us in the company to be storytellers. Um, storytelling is a big part of what I think has made me successful in my career. Um, because if you want to build a great business that you want employees to be a part of, well, you need to tell them a story that is engaging for them and that's based on a mission and a culture that they want to be a part of. If you want your clients 
you want to be the employer of choice and the partner of choice, like that's all storytelling. You need to create a company that has a story that people want to be a part of. Um, and so for me, yeah, I mean, storytelling is incredibly powerful. It's, it's the difference of showing someone a, a spreadsheet with numbers on it or going through and walking them through those numbers and saying what they all mean and saying, talking about the value of it. And different people tell stories in different ways. Um, but that storytelling to me is, is a key part of what makes someone successful in business. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting that your way that you've traversed in your career, um, you know, so many, like we were talking about all these ideas and ideas that may not have been, you know, realized, or I could have done that, or I had that idea. And yep. I, I found, so I had a theater company in Seattle. I was a theater major back in the day. And so okay. a bunch of us had a theater company in Seattle and it was sort of the late nineties, early two thousands. And, um, you know, we had to have our own theater company. That we was during to- like Pearl Jam's heyday. Oh, I was in college during the grunge movement and it was, Holy I, I smoked. That had to be into, incredible. I snuck into every club before I was 21. <laughs> I saw Mother Love Bone and all those wonderful. Everything from the single you know, soundtrack, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And those yeah. guys with the rocking hair who were so angry and cute, you know, it was so <laughs> great. I was like, this is the best. Thanks, dad. Yeah. Good timing. Um, but, you know, we had the company and we, we had to have our own though, you know, it was like we had to have our own identity and then we had to do our own right. books and our own marketing and all this stuff. And, you know, there were a ton of companies, little French companies that were doing the same thing. You know what we were doing? We were fighting for audience. We were fighting for space. We were yep, fighting yep. for attention and all of that stuff. And to me, sometimes taking a step back and saying, who's doing something that is already in bloom and hooking up with them? It seems to me that's that's sort of what happened with you. And I don't know. that. That seems to me, people don't always, always stop and go, well, who else out there is doing something cool? Right. Maybe I could be a part of. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, I think a lot of building a company and even building a career is about being opportunistic. Right. Um, and, it, and it's I, how many times have you looked back at your life decisions and you're like, well, that wasn't as big a deal as I thought it was. Like, I'm leaving this place and I'm going on to my next thing. Like you think that is at that point in time, you're like, well, I don't know if I could leave. I really like my bosses and this is my career and God, what happens next? And we're always worried about what we can't see beyond walking out that door. Um, but for me, it was like, I, that is not, I've never been risk averse to that. Like I remember leaving my banking job and people being like, what are you doing? Like, you're going to give this up? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I learned what I wanted to learn. This has been an amazing experience. I worked with wonderful people on great deals. I got to work on Google's IPO and follow on and do a bunch of fun stuff like that. But like, I was ready for the next step and people thought I was an idiot, but like, here I am today, like just, and my path definitely wasn't, you know, it was all around the corners and around the bend and over the creek and through the woods and all that type of stuff. But it's been great and it's made me, it's made me who I am. So I think being able to attach yourself like that's how you learn. Like if I didn't, I, I actually worked at Lehman Brothers, right? And so having my time there and attaching myself to a place that did something really, really well, even though one part of it had the real estate issues, um, I learned a tremendous amount. And I got to prove to myself that I could do certain things that I didn't know that I could do. And I learned from the best. And so I think there's something about if you see someone out there who's doing something really well and either partnering or emulating, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Like you can still be authentic and original 
by using other people's best practices. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's your ship. Sometimes it's somebody else's ship, but the ride's still good, right? That's right. That's right. I love that. (laughs) I might steal that from you. I love that. Uh, Absolutely. It's all good. It's all good. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what? It's kind of like, those are the things, you know, we talked about storytelling. Like those stories are what make us human and they're what allow us to connect. Like without them, they're the glue that hold us all together. And so when you think about it, if, you know, one of our partners today is we're partnering with Amazon and Mm -hmm. you know that is a you know relatively new partnership for us but we're learning things from them every day yeah absolutely yeah well and and that's being open that's that entrepreneurship spirit I think as well but yeah I just I keep seeing sometimes where I'm like oh you know this person's creating something brand new and I'm like well don't you that that over there they're doing it too like once you you know you you get over there with them so yeah yeah to this point I I read I was reading an article on creativity and one of the things they talked about was that when you're a creative person free association is a key part of that creativity and so it's asking the questions why and what if and oh what if you know it, it sounds silly, right? But what if Amazon and Walmart merged? Like asking that question, like as part of what being creative is, you know, all about and figuring out how markets are going to play out and what types of products you can create. Well, what if we could be the people to solve that problem instead of them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the powers of it. Yeah. So you have a big year ahead, I'm sure. We're roaring into the 20s, a new decade. I'll, I'll do that for you too. Yeah, so big year first, ahead. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Um, do you have, can you share maybe a, a, either say a personal goal or a goal for the business that you're like, okay, this is where we're going to go reach for, you know? Yeah. Look, I mean, we had, we had cloud break. I'd like to tell you that we've had, you know, hockey stick growth the whole time, but um, that's just not what growing a business is. And so for me, this is a growth year. Like I want to reignite our growth engine in a really big way. And I don't know how you felt, but I felt like 18 and 19 were kind of like funky years right? Like 15 and 16, 17, I'm like, oh, we're growing. This is awesome. Everything's great. But 18 and 19 were kind of funky years. And and I'm in a group called YPO, which is the Young Presidents Organization. And it's a group of other CEOs and presidents who run companies. And I kind of feel like in talking to them, everyone felt 18 and 19 were really just strange years. Deals not getting done for certain reasons or strange things happening, like where you're waiting for like, you know, random occurrences, like fires. Or like we actually had um, one of our buildings, not collapse, but fall like three inches like how does that happen right so we had to like clear out our call center and get a new call center fired up in three days and do all these different those were the types of things that were happening in 18 and 19 so 2020 the year of clear vision as i like to call it um you know or the year of clarity like i'm like we are going into 2020 hot right now we've just signed a bunch of new contracts and things are really moving in our direction so you know yeah we're, we're hoping to grow the business and personally um you know i'm hoping to work out a little bit more I got to be honest, like that's like New Year's resolution type of stuff, but I'm, I'm looking to work out a little bit more and eat a little healthier. Yeah, that, that there's someone who said that self-care and self-love is the gift that we not only give to ourselves, but it's the gift that we give to everyone in our lives in the world. I love that. And I love thinking about it that way when I'm like, should I eat this? <laughs> right, right. Well, you know what? Should, should I go to the gym that's right there, literally right. in my apartment building? <laughs> you know, yeah. Yes. And by the way, I have like a huge, you know, I've got, I have, I have, I have a, a, a sugar issue. Let's put it that way. And so I have like <laughs> little things of cookies around and dove chocolates over there and all sorts of stuff like that, which yeah. are like my little guilty pleasures. Yeah, absolutely. But which you are mentioned good. the thing of, yeah, you mentioned the thing about self-care being the gift that we give to others. So we're a startup health company, and startup health is one of you know one of the you know, the biggest incubators out there. And 
they have their mindsets and they've talked about frequently how you can't be the best you can be for everybody else if you're not taking care of yourself. It's one of like the main points um, that they talk about is as an entrepreneur, it's easy to forsake going to the gym and work the late hours and eat badly and do all these because you feel like you're sacrificing for everyone. But the best thing you can do to run your business and to be able to take care of everyone and take care of your employees is to take care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we ascribe to that. Yeah, I dig it. So last question. Fire Thank away. you for this. So fun. It's no, so this was a blast. I feel like we could keep this going for like an hour or two. I know. I was like, I got all kinds of stuff to ask you about. I'm going to have to come down to El Segundo and say hi. So We could do that. We could yeah. do that. We'll grab lunch. Okay. That would be awesome. Um, I can so, give you your socks in person. Oh my goodness. Okay. Deal. Deal, deal. Okay. I love it. Okay. Right, cool. cool. Um, so you know, I, I'm very interested in moments and sparks in our lives. Yep. And yep. so I ask every, list, every listener. Well, I sort of am asking every listener to ask that question of themselves, but there you ask go. every guest, um, what spark or moment, you know, person, place, thing, moment, uh, seats you where you are right now today? God, when I, when I look back, I'm 45 now. Um, so when I look back on it, I would say the, the, like the seminal moment for me, uh, because it led to me being in this entrepreneurship class, was getting my acceptance letter to Cornell when I was in high school. And the reason I say that is because I was a good student, but not a great student. And my SAT scores were strong, but not awesome. And I worked really hard to position myself to get into school. I had gone to Cornell um, for a summer camp and I fell in love with it. And I'm like, it just felt like the place I needed to be in the place where I was going to grow and expand. And like, it was the next chapter that I really wanted. So, um, you know, I applied to the school of industrial and labor relations there. I did an internship with a union, you know, I thought I wanted to be a change management consultant. And I wrote, like, I spent a lot of time writing these like amazing essays that really showed who I was. And you know what, I think Cornell took a chance on me as a result of that. And, um, when I got that letter, I just felt like my whole life was rolling out in front of me. And it kind of did. Um, I loved being at school. Um, it was an amazing time of growth for me. And I remember going to Professor Ben Daniels Entrepreneurship and Personal Enterprise class, where I wrote this first business plan. And that's when I really got hooked on what I wanted to do with the rest of my life and realized that if I really wanted to impact people, that I could actually take an idea out of my head make it into something real and have it be valuable for someone and impact the world in a positive way. And for me, that was like, that's my drug, you know, like that creative process of, you know, being the guy who says, well, what if we did do this and right. why don't we just do it? Uh, because, <laughs> you know, we'll figure it out as we go along. And yeah. if you take a look at a lot of the best companies that are out there, they didn't end up where they were as a result of sticking to their plan. They, they figured it out as they went along. And I think, you know, but, that to me is the great thing. Again, you stand in the middle of our call centers and you hear all the people that were helping every day. And that started off as someone's idea that they plucked out of their head and, mm-hmm. you know, made real. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the things I love about working in technology or in business. You know, it's like everything starts with an idea from right up here, a cocktail napkin or that thing that exactly bloops out. So yeah, thank you. And thank you, Cornell Admissions. So. Thank you, Cornell Admissions. <laughs> you know, Cornell has become like my biggest philanthropy um, oh. as a result. So I believe in the power of education. And, yeah. you know, I get back up to campus to speak to the students and, you know, all that's those different awesome. types of things. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Thank yeah. you. 
Thank no, you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story and being on today. You're awesome. So. No, this was great. Thank you for the opportunity. And this yeah. is by far one of the best interviews I've ever done. I mean, this oh. has been awesome. And I love Thanks. the conversation dialogue and I'll look forward to meeting you in person. It's yeah, I know. I can't wait. I know. I, we, I, I was looking at everyone on the, on the podcast. It's uh, we'd come, I'd come across you on, on Twitter and then on, yeah. Um, you know, uh, Forbes Business Council stuff and everything. Yeah. And so I was just like, I was reading, but I was like, he, I, we need to talk. So you're up. Yes. Well, I'm glad. I'm so okay. happy that you reached out. This was amazing. Yeah. Healthcare maven for sure. There you go. There Wonderful. You go. All right. Thank you, Jamie. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Absolutely. Well, All there right. we go, folks. We just had another episode of the Mavens Do It Better podcast. Where <laughs> and here is to another beautiful day on this big blue spinning sphere. Thanks, everybody. Bye. The original music on this podcast was created by Jesse Case.